The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Pokemon Snapshot. So, Tyler, how are you doing today? I am doing just dandy, Jeff. It's actually been warmer than it is on the surface of Mars the last couple weeks where I live. Same here. I actually was outside in shorts and a t-shirt today. So, was it in the 40s then? (laughs) Mid-60s. Okay. Jeff 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 has a world-renowned ability to survive in the cold. If you move to Alaska, you want him there. I actually hate the cold, but we're not here to talk about the weather today. We're here to talk about Pokemon. And so if you want to talk to us about Pokemon, make sure that you tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot, or you can email us at the Pokemon Snapshot at gmail.com, or look on Facebook and look for a Facebook page that's called the Pokemon Snapshot. We even got a Facebook comment on it last week, Tyler. Ooh, what did it say? So this is from Danny. Uh, And she said, Hi, Jeff and Tyler. I've been listening and I'm on episode eight right now. Love listening to this podcast and the Who's That Pokemon segment is always my favorite part. Ugh, questionable judgment, but uh, I'll accept the compliment of the show at least. Yeah, so Tyler likes to make fun of me for really enjoying doing the Who's That Pokemon segment and we found someone who also enjoys listening to me talking about Who's That Pokemon. We get to learn. Thanks for building up Jeff's ego. That's exactly what he needed. And I'd like to do a plug for another podcast in the Pokecasters Network. There's a po- a newer podcast called The Wide World of Poke. Welcome to the World of Pokemon. And they actually are going through kind of like our Who's That Pokemon segment, but they are expanding on it. And each week is about a new Pokemon. What was the name of that again, though, Jeff? Welcome to the World of Pokemon. Welcome to the World of Pokemon. Awesome. I'll have to check that one out. Yes. I will be honest, I listen to them every week, and they're also part of the same network we're part of, so you listen to them, you're also helping out our network. So Uh, you know they gotta be good if they're in the same network as us. Yes. Uh, They just did their most recent episode on Nidoking. Alright, so Tyler, are we ready to get into this week's episode? Yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. Alright, so our episode this week is titled Pokemon Fashion Flash, or as it was called in Japan, Rokan Breeder Showdown. That's a cool name. It is. Yeah, Breeder Showdown. It aired on October 7th, 1997 in Japan, and on October 14th, 1998 in the United States. Alright, Tyler, let's get into our episode. We begin our episode with Ash and the party in what appears to be an urban city district. Ash reads off a road sign and says, Scissor Street, why did we come here? And Brock responds by saying that he will see. Which, with Brock, usually leads to something questionable and or creepy. Misty comments that there appears to be a lot of beauty parlors on this street. Ash asks Brock if this is anything specific he is looking for, and Misty chimes in saying that she now remembers the street is also known as Breeder's Lane, which makes me even more concerned Brock is here for questionable and or creepy reason. 
As Brock walks down the street questioning where whatever he is looking for is located, the narrator reminds us that Brock has dreams of being a Pokemon breeder, which I guess is a person who devotes their time and energy into raising the best Pokemon. And Ash says that all the breeding stuff must be why they are there. And I'll tell you, Jeff, I breathed a sigh of relief when, when this happened. Like, thank God for the narrator clarifying that, because I'm less concerned now. Like, I, I was very concerned with where this was heading. Yeah, when they, like, we're going to Breeder's Lane, I was pretty sure we were headed to the red light district of this city. And you know it would be Brock of all of them that would be leading them to the red light district of a city. In yes. fact, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. You, you know, a great place for these 10-year-olds to end up. Right, absolutely. Especially with a street like Scissor Street. Like, not only are they going, like, some risque stuff going on, they're, like, gonna get shanked or something. I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard time keeping my composure with that one. Yes, Jeff, that's absolutely right. <laughs> okay. Whew, deep breaths. Um, anyway... After the narrator's comment, we see the episode title screen. When this is done, Brock explains that all the best breeders have shops on the street and also mentions that there are lots of Pokemon makeup shops and salons here as well. Misty sees an image of what appears to be Ekans and Coughing all dressed up and covered in makeup and runs up to it. She comments how cute it is and says that it must be the latest fashion as Brock and Ash watch from behind her in a bewildered state. Misty then grabs Ash and says that they have to go in. As they approach the doors, we hear what sounds like James from Team Rocket over a loudspeaker, announcing that they are expert artists and to welcome people to Salon Roquet. It appears that Team Rocket has actually, like, set up a Pokemon salon on the street, which, honestly, good for them. Because, you know, it seems like they might finally be turning the corner and becoming respectable citizens. They've opened a business, and it seems to be doing well. However, something tells me they aren't just doing this to create a successful business. The question I have is, where do they get the money to rent a storefront on such a well-renowned street? Like, we know they don't have the money to do this, so something had to be shady here. That is a valid point. I had not thought of that, but it's true. That would probably be a very expensive street to rent a shop from so yeah absolutely definitely some shady stuff going on with that yeah and you know what this actually makes me think of i believe it was in the gold and silver you there was in the big city in gold and silver you could actually go to a salon with your pokemon and they it would help with their like happiness meter holy cow like you just like ignited a long lost memory in my mind i actually do remember that now yeah, I don't remember if they brought it back in other games, but definitely in Gold and Silver, you could go to the Pokemon Salon, and, you know, that's how you, like, made Eevee evolve into Espeon Umbreon, Golbat evolve into Crobat, Togepi into Togetic. They all had to be happy with you. Right, absolutely. I, re I do remember that. As they approach the doors, Misty questions where they have heard the name of the salon before, and before she can think further, Brock comments on another large poster of Ekans and Coughing, all dressed up and heavily covered in makeup. He says that Ekans looks like a Christmas tree, which honestly it does. We then get to see the inside of the salon where Team Rocket, in very obvious costumes, are dressing up Pokemon and giving them a makeover. James comments that they will make their Pokemon pretty mon. They reveal two Pokemon that they have dressed up, and Jesse says that they have done it again. They have created another Pokemon fashion masterpiece. 
James comments that he can't believe how talented they are as Jesse brings the Pokemon out to see their trainer. The trainers are very pleased. So the trainer is very pleased to see how the Pokemon has been dressed up and, and gotten all this makeup. The Pokemon, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be that into it, which I can totally understand. I mean, they gave a Dodrio a perm, at least one of its heads a perm. I know, and perms can look real classy, but not on this guy. Not on a bird. No. As the trainer and her Pokemon walk out the door, they pass Meowth, who is counting cash out loud to himself. Meowth chews out Jesse and James and tells them that they are spending too much on advertising because they need to make a profit. Jesse claps back that they need the flashy advertising to get customers inside who will spend thousands. And at this point, it almost seems to me that Team Rocket's dubious plan in this episode is to provide a service people want so that they will pay them for it. Have they accidentally discovered capitalism and think they're doing an evil plot? Yeah, it's like they never thought of, oh, hey, if I do something people want to give me money for it, that's not evil, Team Rocket. <laughs> that's that's just... just what people do. Yeah, that's just how the world works. And this business they're making, it really makes me think of when people dress up their pets in designer clothes or carry them around in those designer handbags. Yeah, absolutely. My dog hates it when I put him in a little bow tie and carry him around in a handbag. Please, please share pictures next time you do that. Especially since I know the size of your dog. Yeah, my dog's a 40-pound German Shepherd mix, which he's still a small dog, don't get me wrong, but he probably wouldn't fit in, a, in any, you know, average-sized purse. But I can try it. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're getting at. I have a 30-pound pug, and actually, just the other day, I was driving down the street, and there was another, this old man with a pug, and I guess his pug decided he didn't want to walk. He was, like, holding it under his arm as he walked. <laughs> that's awesome and the pug is just hanging out i'm like yeah i would never do that to my dog but no that's beside the point but yeah my we have a dog who if you put any clothes on him he just lays down and gives up on life <laughs> yeah you'll need to do that and share a picture yeah he pouts it's actually pretty funny well my pug is running around going look at me look at me right absolutely yeah, mine doesn't, mine doesn't like clothing, I don't think. I've never really tried to put anything on him other than a coat. The coat went okay, but yeah, eh, we, what can you do? I'll try putting him in a handbag and report back on how that goes. Yeah, we only dress up ours at, like, Halloween time. There you go. That makes sense. Back outside of the salon, we see Misty saying that she is going to get in line to go to the salon. Yes, there is actually a line to the door of this place. Like, it's successful. This is doing well. Just then, however, Brock yells out that he found it, and they rush over to see him entering the store he has been looking for. He grabs the handle with a shaky hand and goes to open it. Ash asks him why he is so nervous as he's grabbing this handle and acting all weird, and basically just pushes on through the door. A woman inside asks how she can help them as she massages a Chansey in a chair. Is it Chansey or Chauncey? I can't remember. Chansey. Chancy, so I had it right. I should have trusted my instincts. You I always used to tell my students that, and I didn't do it myself. Always trust your instinct. Always. Unless my instinct is to eat another donut. Then you should the still trust it, because donuts are delicious. Okay, that's true. Especially from Casey's. Mm. But anyway, back on topic. The woman says that Chancy will now have more energy, and the Chancy hops up happily and admires its sparkling self in the mirror. And I get it. You know, this Chansey looks really happy. It is great to be bedazzled up. 
My wife and I once got stopped at a mall kiosk, and my wife rudely ignored this uh, probably Israeli guy. In fact, I think he said he was from Israel, but he, ju he just had that very stereotypical I'm an Israeli mall kiosk guy look. Uh, but, you know, he beckoned her over. She ignored him, and so I, to not be rude, decided to go over myself. And I'll tell you what, Jeff. He polished my thumbnail so that it was so shiny it was unbelievable. I could actually see my reflection in this thumbnail. And my wife can corroborate this story. This actually happened, and my thumbnail looked fantastic. So this guy offered to do the rest, but it was too expensive, so I told him no. So I told him no. Like, I'm not doing all the rest of the fingers, plus I don't have 30 minutes. But boy, I felt like a new person with my newly polished thumbnail, and I admired it for weeks afterwards, Jeff. So I get it. I get why Chansey is admiring itself in the mirror and being so happy with its new, fresh appearance. Yes, and I'm sure your wife was thrilled to wait for you to get your thumbnail, like, shined up in the middle of the mall. Hey, it, he did good work, and it was good conversation. If I was not such a cheapskate, I would have gladly had him do all my fingers. Chansey's owner then comes in and says how great Chansey looks. She takes Chansey away and thanks the shop owner, who she calls Susie. And I'm pretty sure the owner in this scene was the same voice actor that do, that that uh, does James. So for a moment, I thought maybe this was a woman and like J James as a woman in disguise. Uh, but it didn't appear to be. I think they just used the same voice actor. So actually, I saw this note of yours and I did look it up. I did my research because I'm the person who does the research on this show. And it looks like her voice actor during this episode was actually someone called Leah Applebaum. So it wasn't the same person as James, because James was being voiced by Eric Stewart at the time. And in fact, Leah Applebaum was so inconsequential to, not that she's inconsequential, inconse did great job as Susie, but she didn't even have her own page on the Pokemon Encyclopedia online. Jeff, I, I do, I do want to correct something, though, and this was not clear in my notes, so I blame myself, but I was talking about the woman that picked up the Chansey. The oh, owner, not Susie. Oh, that's where I was. That could be. Sorry. You weren't clearing your notes. But now we know that Leah Applebaum does Susie. Um, I don't know if my computer is going to go fast enough for me to see I would. I would be shocked if it wasn't the same voice actor, because like I said, I literally thought it was James in disguise. And she and this and this particular character, the owner of the Chansey, does come up later on, so maybe if you find it while I'm blabbering on, we can mention it then. Yeah, I'm on Eric Stewart, so let's see. She didn't have a name, did she? No, it was just a random Chansey owner. Yeah, so... It's really hard to say because they give major and minor. Oh, he also did the voice of Brock, in case you wanted to know. Hey, that's interesting. So James and Brock are the same person, but without the name, I don't really know if it's the same person because they're not going to list every inconsequential character. And, you know, as a voice actors, especially, you know, look at something like The Simpsons. They have the same, what, six people doing all the voices for the last 35 years? Right. So, Pokemon, same way. You get one person, you get a few group of people to just do all the different voices. Like, I, voice actors, like, their skills amaze me. Yes, absolutely. They make us look very untalented. Yes. But, so, it doesn't list it on his Bulbapedia page, but it could very well be. Okay, I, I think it was, but if we ever confirm that, we'll let y'all know. 
Susie then asks if she can help. So after the Chansey and the Chansey owner leave, Chansey owner, that sounds like James. Uh, Susie then asks if she can help Ash and his party, but before they can answer, Misty sees a Vulpix sitting in a chair and comments how cute it is. She runs up to admire it. Ash pulls out the Pokédex and explains that Vulpix is a fox Pokémon. Its six tails are extremely beautiful, and as it evolves, it grows more tails. Misty comments that she loves Vulpix's hair as she picks it up. Susie tells her not to touch it, but before Misty can respond, the Vulpix blows fire in her face and sits back down in the chair to go to sleep. As Misty faints, the Pokédex finishes up by saying that Vulpix uses powerful flame attacks. Susie then walks up to Misty, who is on the ground in pain, and says that Vulpix doesn't like to be picked up or hugged by strangers, and Misty comments that she wished she had known that before. Well, Misty, maybe you shouldn't just go around picking up random people's pets. Doesn't she know the rule? Even my five-year-old daughter knows to ask before touching someone's pet. A lot of people don't know that, so I do want to announce it on the show. Don't touch random people's pets, especially yeah. my dog. He's crazy. <laughs> he yeah. looks cute, but he's crazy. Yeah, if you're walking around, and like, especially in a pet store or a dog show, don't just go up. Be like, Just because they have the dogs there doesn't mean they're friendly to anyone coming up to them. And especially a good thing, this is, I'm getting on my little soapbox here, PSA. We have taught my daughter what a working dog is. Like, if you see a dog in a vest, you do not ever go to a working dog. We call them working puppies, you know, if they're, because they have a job to do. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was Jeff and I's soapbox for the day. We'll, uh, we'll carry on with today's uh, content. Brock then walks up extremely nervous and introduces himself. He says he wants to be a breeder, just like Susie, and Susie responds by saying it is nice to meet him and that she is flattered he wants to model her. Brock continues to act all weird and nervous and eventually compliments her Vulpix as Ash watches on in confusion. Brock then says that he wants Susie to accept him as her pupil. This shocks everyone and Ash walks up and asks what he is doing. Brock tells him to mind his own business. Susie responds that she doesn't have pupils because she doesn't have time. Ash asks what makes her such a great breeder, and Brock freaks out and explains, in short, that she is a world-famous and award-winning breeder who has a website that gets 10,000 hits a day. Misty comments that she sounds like a great breeder, and Brock agrees that she is. Do you think maybe we'll be world-renowned podcasters who podcast gets 10,000 hits a day? Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, though here it is interesting to see Brock all flustered because he admires someone rather than creepily having a crush on her. It is true. I'm still not entirely convinced at this point in the episode he doesn't have a crush on her, but he is acting different, so it's very probable he doesn't. After this little uh, freak out where Brock explains all the wonderful things that Susie has done, Misty questions whether or not Vulpix has won any awards, and Brock explains that the Vulpix is the hottest supermodel of the Pokemon world. As Brock continues to ramble on about Vulpix, Ash grabs him and tells him that they get the point. Thank you, Ash. This was the one redeemable thing you've done in several episodes, so I did not have to type out all this dumb dialogue of Brock explaining everything this Vulpix has done. We then change scenes to find Susie sitting at a table with Ash and his party, and appears that they are all having tea. It appears that they just explained to Susie that they are all traveling the world together on a Pokemon journey, and Susie comments what a beautiful and shiny coat that Pikachu has. 
She asks if it is Brock who prepares all of Pikachu's food, and Brock comments on a in a really spazzy way that he is in fact the one who prepares the food with his own recipe. Susie explains that her journey also began with her becoming interested in Pokemon nutrition. Pikachu then offers Vulpix some of its food. Vulpix loves it, and Susie is impressed since Vulpix never likes food unless Susie prepared it. So Brock is freaking out. Like, he is, like, over the moon excited that this famous breeder and her famous Pokemon like his food. Good for him. Misty then asks Susie what she knows about the new salon that opened up, the one run by Team Rocket, which they do not yet, of course, know is run by Team Rocket. And Susie says that she knows it, and ha and ever since it opened, Pokemon trainers are trying to get their Pokemon as flashy as possible. It appears that Team Rocket has actually started this entire trend of people bedazzling their Pokemon in fancy bows and overly gaudy makeup. But Susie is not impressed with this place, as she explains breeding is really about finding inner strength and personality in Pokemon. It appears that Team Rocket is doing wrong by focusing on appearances and not what is on the inside. Ash says it is pretty stupid to waste your time showing off, and Misty disagrees with him and tells him that sometimes Pokemon want to dress up and show off just like people. They begin to argue about this for a bit, and Susie asks Brock if, she should, if he should stop them. He says that it would be like stopping the tide. So, I think it's funny how Ash is arguing for what's inside that counts, and Misty retorts, Outside, too, it's like the writers were trying to make sure she isn't too vain by saying that, oh, I care about the outside, but, you know, the ins I care about the inside, but the outside matters, too. But, I mean, last episode, she did turn in a conversation about missing children on posters all about she switched it to herself being in posters in Hollywood, so. Right, she looked at literal missing children posters and said, someday I'll be on a poster for a movie. Wow, Misty. <laughs> Yeah, Misty's pretty vain. I, I agree. They probably had to add that, like, outside too, as opposed to it's outside that matters. We yes. all know she thinks that. Ash then comments that she should take Psyduck to the salon to get dressed up, and Misty thinks that this is a great idea. She says that Psyduck will be even cuter than Pikachu when this is all over. After Misty leaves, Susie questions her own methods. And Ash and Brock say that she must stay strong, as it is what is on the inside that really counts. So Susie's like, oh, I don't know if my entire life mission is worth it, because it appears trainers just want to bedazzle and put their Pokemon in gaudy makeup with these people from Team Rocket. And again, doesn't know it's Team Rocket yet. Brock says that if a new salon wants to put style over substance, then they will just have to do the opposite. And I just want to say, I really hope that this doesn't lead to Ash and his party ruining Team Rocket's actual legit business. Like, what is wrong with them providing a service that dresses up Pokemon? Just leave them alone so that they can be successful and maybe we can finally be done with them. Yeah, I mean, so far they haven't done anything wrong. Just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean you shouldn't mess with it. It'd be like, you know, just because I think Gwyneth Paltrow's goop business is a load of crap doesn't mean I'm going to go and belittle her and try to burn the business to the ground. Yeah, it's very true. We would definitely never do that. Also, please don't sue us, Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm sure your group goop, group goop isn't that bad. <laughs> have, goop? You, you've at least heard of this before, right, Tyler? I've heard of the goop, yes. Okay, they have a specifically scented candle. Yeah, I've heard about that too. Probably can't discuss that you know, without bumping up our rating here. Yeah. So, but as Misty is heading off to go get Psyduck all bedazzled, 
our episode is going to go into the Who's That Pokemon segment. Hang on to your hats, person from Facebook who loves this. It's going to be a good one. Who's That Pokemon? All right. Our Who's That Pokemon for this week is Vulpix, who in Japanese is called Rokan. Some basic information about Vulpix. It's number 37 in the Pokedex. It ha- its type is, so Vulpix is one of those Pokemon with an Alolan type, so we'll go over both of them. In its regular form, it's fire, but in Alola, it's ice type. It's two feet tall and weighs 21.8 pounds, and that's for both the regular and the Alolan versions. And it is known as the Fox Pokemon. And Vulpix will evolve into Ninetales when exposed to a Firestone. And Alolan Vulpix evolves into Alolan Ninetales when exposed to an Ice Stone. Alright, where does Vulpix's name come from? Vulpix may be a combination of Vulpes, which is Latin for Fox, and Six, because it has six tails. It's Japanese name origin. Rokan may be a combination of Roku, which means six, and Khan, which means grudge from the curse its evolution may cast on its foes. Konkon is also the sound foxes make. A Conro is a gas stove relating to its fire type, or Ko, an alternate reading of Kitsune, a Japanese for fox. So there is a lot of stuff going on that could be why its Japanese name is Rokan. What is Vulpix based off of? Vulpix may be based on a red fox in the kitsune of Japanese legend, which are said to have many tales, extremely long lifespans, and supernatural powers, such as the ability to breathe fire. After reaching an advanced age, kitsune take on spirit forms, which may explain why Vulpix can learn various ghost-type and psychic-type moves. Alolan Vulpix may be based on an arctic fox, which grows white coats of fur in the winter to camouflage in the snow. Vulpix's Biology Vulpix is a small, quadruped, fox-like Pokemon. It has a red-brown pelt with a cream-colored underbelly. It has brown eyes, large pointed ears with dark brown insides, and a triangular dark brown nose. Its paws are slightly darker than the rest of its pelt and have light brown paw pads. On top of its head are three curled locks of orange fur with bangs, and it has orange tails with curled tips. It is most commonly seen with six tails. However, Vulpix is born with only a single white tail that splits as Vulpix grows. The tail grows hot as it approaches evolution. Which I guess would just mean its tail grows hot as you bring a firestone next to it. Yes, absolutely. Kind of like it's interacting with the stone. In the Alola region, Vulpix has adapted to snowy mountain peaks and developed a snowy white pelt. It has pale blue paws, blue eyes, and a dark blue inside its ears. Its snout is more pronounced and pointed than that of non-Alolan Vulpix. The locks of hair on its head and six tails are curlier and have a wispy appearance. Alolan Vulpix is believed to have arrived in the region at the same time as humans, but moved to the snow-capped mountains to avoid other Pokemon. It can be found in small packs called Skulks that are led and protected by Ninetales. Alolan Vulpix can expel breath as cold as negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit, which is capable of freezing anything. While it is not suited to warmer environments, as tails can produce ice to lower the surrounding temperature if needed. An old local name for the Pokemon is Kyo Kyo, referring to its white pelt. Weavile is a natural predator of Alolan Vulpix. Alright, some Pokedex entries for our Vulpix. 
Red and Blue says, At the time of birth, it has just one tail. The tail splits from its tip as it grows older. Pokemon Silver says, If it is attacked by an enemy that is stronger than itself, it feigns injury to fool the enemy and escape. Pokemon Sapphire says, Inside Vulpix's body burns a flame that never goes out. During the daytime, when the temperature rises, the Pokemon releases flames from its mouth to prevent its body from growing too hot. Pokemon Moon says, From its mouth spew flames that seem to resemble the spirits of the deceased, some people mistakenly think this fire is a ghost. Uh, Ultra Sun says, it, Its beautiful tails have made it very popular. However, if it's not brushed diligently, it will be a mass of tangles before you know it. And Ultra Moon says, It manipulates balls of fire to catch its prey. If you raise one from when it's young, it will grow close to you like a puppy Pokemon. That's really nice. Yeah, and then we'll have here one for the Alolan form from Pokemon Sun, and it says it exhales, hair, it exhales air colder than negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Elderly people in Alola call this Pokemon by an older name, Keo Keo. And then a little bit of trivia about Vulpix. The beta Pokemon names in red and blue listed Vulpix as Foxfire. Well, that's neat. I had an Alolan, you know, I had an Alolan Vulpix. In fact, I still do because of the uh, Pokemon box. Is that what it's called? That app where you can store your Pokemon? Po it's in there. Pokemon Home? Yes, that's it. It's in my Pokemon Home. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I might have one. I have to remember. I... When Pokemon Home first came, I paid for like one month for $3 so I could just transfer everything to my Sword and Shield to try to fill up the Pokedex. But I don't know what's in there right now. They're probably all just, you know, just put my Pokemon's data out there. They're all probably gone now. <laughs> there you go. All right. And that is our Who's That Pokemon segment. Who's That Pokemon? We change scenes to see that Susie's place is now completely full of people. So as a reminder before the Who's That Pokemon, uh, Brock was saying that if this new salon wants to put style over substance, that they are going to do the opposite. And boy howdy, does it appear that they have done that. So we change scenes. Susie's place is full of people. Brock announces over like a megaphone that there is more room in the back for people to listen to Susie's lecture on Pokemon Care. Susie massages Pikachu and explains that after a battle, Pokemon should get a massage. We then see Misty waiting outside of Team Rocket's place, and all the people waiting in line disappear to head over to Susie's. The woman with the Chansey from before, the one probably voiced by James, walks up and tells Misty that everyone is going to Susie's because of how great the lectures and care over there are. So it's funny that you bring up that you think you s the woman sounds very much like James, because when you said woman, I just thought the Chansey owner was a very effeminate man. Oh, no. Like, I think it was just like when James plays like he's a girl, like in some of his disguises, and he does that high-pitched, like, fake female-sounding stereotypical voice. It's like that, but this is what the character actually talks like. Like, it's weird. Yeah, I know. So it's kind of interesting. We both, like, came kind of to the same conclusion just from different ways. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you just had later on in the notes that you can... Okay, I gotcha. You connected the dots later on. Yes. 
We flash back to Susie's salon where she, she where she has Ash uh, massage Pikachu's cheeks as a demonstration of what they all learned. Ash does successfully, and Pikachu seems really relaxed. So it's kind of nice. Like, he's massaging Pikachu's cheeks, and Pikachu's just digging it. Like, he's had a rough go with Ash, so I'm glad. It, I'm glad Pikachu deserves this, even though he is kind of a little psychopath sometimes. But what can you do? Happens to the best of us. We then change scenes yet again, back to Team Rocket's place where Jesse is putting the finishing touches on a squirrel that now sort of looks like Michael Bolton with slightly longer hair. After finishing up and bragging how great they did, they ask Meowth to send in the next customer, but Meowth is surprised to see that there is only one waiting. Jesse, in a really uncharacteristic moment, says, One or one million, it doesn't matter, as long as we have customers who appreciate true Pokemon beauty. That's nice. She doesn't even care that the line is gone. She respects all of her customers. I think they should have been doing this all along. Good for them. Misty then walks in with Psyduck, and Team Rocket, of course, freaks out upon seeing her. But before Misty can recognize them, they pull her into the back and dress her up in this really gaudy outfit, and they say that it is a masterpiece. I expected Misty to be like, oh my god, like, you know that, like, stereotypical, like, kawaii look? kawaii look or whatever like the cute yeah i like the the rainbow suspenders and the like heavy like hearts painted on the face thing it was like that well i actually do have in my notes i didn't put it in there because i didn't but since you're bringing up what it kind of looks like it's set i have here that the style in which jesse and james dress misty and it in is the popular fashion in japan shinora fashion started by tomoe shinohara Okay, interesting. I did not know it had a name. Yep, I didn't, but since you were bringing that up, I thought, oh, I will mention that. I did not put that in there, but I just thought, it does have a name. It looked, and I thought Misty was going to get all mad and, like, start hitting them, but no, she loved it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I literally thought that she was going to, like, get mad, but instead she's like, wow, I absolutely love this. Misty then suggests that they try out more styles, and Team Rocket happily begins dolling her up even more. And it's here that I wonder why they're freaking out. I mean, they are running an actual legitimate business. Like, if people are going to pay for it, let them. Yes, exactly. That's what I don't get about this whole thing. Like, they have a successful business. Please don't ruin this Team Rocket and or Ash and his party. This could be it. We could be done with Team Rocket and their shenanigans every single week. Something tells me that's not going to happen. I hate to throw in a spoiler, though. I was watching the new anime Pokemon Journeys with my daughter this weekend, and Team Rocket did show up, and this is like a thousand episodes, over a thousand episodes later. The Spoiler King strikes again! I'm just kidding. We all knew they weren't going anywhere. Jesse and James then turn, or just then, however, so as they start, like, uh, dolling misty up even more meowth interrupts and says that this is the girl that hangs out with that pikachu and suggests that they get information from her about how to steal it jesse and james turn to meowth looking angry and misty suddenly realizes who they are they begin to beat up meowth saying that this is what they were going to do once she was relaxed they then break out of their costumes and grab misty saying that she will give them the information they want which is apparently how to steal pikachu Misty calls out to Psyduck, but realizes that that guy is already gone, and she becomes very disappointed. I'm confused about this too, Jeff, now that we've had this review, or a reveal. Was this Team Rocket's plan all along? That seems really complicated for, 
of a plan for them. Like, we're going to create a successful business and run it for quite a long time, and then we're going to ambush uh, Ash and his party when they come through town kind of thing. Or did they just realize that they had an opportunity to get the info and drop their whole successful business platform? Like, forget about this, being an upstanding citizen, making a decent amount of money doing something people like. We should just drop all of that and try to steal Pikachu again for the umpteenth time. Well, and now that you bring this up, that's the weird thing about this. It's not like they had a lot of time to make this legitimate business. I assume they're still in Hop 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 Town because, you know, the big city, they're just on a big street of it now. So. This is probably the next day. So they made like the biggest trend the next day. They just decided to lease this building and start a new business. So I'm going to guess they just dropped their guard and thought about stealing Pikachu at that exact moment. Like, oh, wait, yeah, this is what we need to do. Yeah, this is what we do. Oh, why did they have why did this have to happen? After this whole exchange, we change scenes to see that Psyduck is running down the sidewalk. It runs into Susie's and explains the whole thing to Ash, Brock, Susie, and Pikachu. So it appears Psyduck didn't just bounce. It was actually running to get help. Good for you, Psyduck, because Misty does not deserve it after the way she's treated you so far. They immediately run into Team Rocket's salon and demand that they let Misty go. But But Team Rocket refuses and says that they have important beauty research to conduct on her. This starts a whole thing about Susie saying that it's what's on the inside that counts and whatnot. It's like this whole thing, and I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, you get the idea. But And Meowth interjects, however, and explains that the whole point of the salon was to steal rare Pokemon and make a bunch of money, which makes sense, and I kind of now get it. So it appears that they actually were trying to steal Pokemon as they were caring for them, which I don't get it. They could have just like made a bunch of money legitimately and then bought rare Pokemon, but whatever. And... From what it seems, they haven't stolen any Pokemon yet, so they were still a legitimate business at this time. Yeah, plus, uh, if I brought my dog to, like, get his nails clipped or something, because he's not a breed that really needs grooming or anything like that, if I, like, brought him to get his nails clipped or something and they stole him, I'm pretty sure I would know. Like, I would notice that. I'd be like, huh, he's gone now. I dropped him off here. Now he's gone. Like... It doesn't seem like a very good plan if that is your plan, is to actually steal Pokemon while doing this. Like, you could do it one time, maybe, and get away with it. I mean, with how inept the police department is in this world, I feel like they'd get pretty far. It is true. But it is Team Rocket also. They never get away with stuff. After this whole exchange, Jesse says that she will make a deal with Ash. He must trade his Pikachu for Misty. Predictably, Ash and Brock yell out that they are going to battle Team Rocket instead. At this point, Team Rocket transforms their salon into a frilly-looking battle arena and does their little poem thing, Uh, and, and they're wearing costumes as they do this. Yes, and an interesting fact about the outfits that Jesse and James wear is that they resemble Oscar and Andy from the manga series The Rose of Versailles. And interesting. Yes, I've heard of that actually. Have you? Because I haven't. So that's why I put this is an older manga that also had an anime ad- adaptation in the 80s. It's a really old one. Like for manga standards, like it's from like the 70s and 80s. I feel like I we carried it at my school's library possibly when I was teaching. So I was the uh game club and anime manga club leader on the staff, and uh, we had a bunch of students, and I'm pretty sure a couple of my students read this series. Okay. So I didn't realize it was that old, though. Yeah, from what I can see, it got 
English adaptations not till more recently. Okay, that could explain it then. Team Rocket then sends out Ekans and Coughing, while Ash sends out Pikachu and Brock sends out Geodude. Geodude starts by doing a seismic toss on Ekans, but Ekans dodges and body slams Pikachu. Pikachu then does a Thundershock in both Ekans and Coughing, but it doesn't really seem to have any effect. James, who is wearing a red ball gown at this point, then tells Coughing to use a sludge attack that splashes sludge into the eyes of Pikachu and Geodude. Ekans and Coughing then go to finish them off, but trip on their dresses as they are charging at Pikachu, and they actually fall over. Meowth jumps in and begins chastising them, and they all go to charge Pikachu and Geodude, who are still blinded, but they stop in their tracks as they see that Vulpix is now standing in front of them. Susie then gives yet another lecture about Pokemon Inner Beauty. This is like the fourth lecture about Pokemon Inner Beauty in the last five, ten minutes. And has Vulpix use a fire spin that sends Team Rocket and their Pokemon flying off into the distance. The battle is over, and the Pokedex explains that the attack we just saw is Vulpix's strongest attack. With the battle over and Team Rocket gone, we get to listen to Brock start talking about inner beauty for the umpteenth time this episode. So we get another talk about inner beauty at this point. And I'm just going to let you fill in the blanks on that as a whole thing. Everyone watching uh, really listens to Brock's words and takes it to heart, and they begin to take all the frilly costumes and makeup off of their Pokemon. Misty then begins chewing out Psyduck for running and demands he untie her. And also, I should mention that Misty did get hit by this fire tornado. Like, she is burned right now sitting in the chair. Uh, and apparently, she doesn't know that she would have been screwed if Psyduck hadn't gotten away and actually ran for help because she just treats him like garbage. We then get to hear Susie talk about how she now believes in her mission again. She also says that it, she is very impressed with Brock and has learned that she still has much to learn about breeding. She announces that she will be leaving to learn more about breeding, and she offers to give Vulpix to Brock, who accepts with tears in his eyes. And I really don't understand why she'd be like, oh, I'm going to drop my whole successful business to go off into the world and continue studying breeding, but I'm definitely not taking my Vulpix with me. I'm just going to give it to you now, Brock. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Ash begins to laugh as Misty's make- er, I'm sorry. Ash begins to laugh at Misty's makeup as the announcer explains that everyone learned a valuable lesson. Did they, though? I'm not so sure. But that's what the announcer says. We then see Team Rocket being chased by a mob of people who want their money back as to be continued- Comes across the comes across the screen and wraps up this episode. So one final thought. Also, the people don't need their money back. Like Team Rocket did what he they said they were going to do. Exactly. They didn't steal any Pokemon. They just beat them up. Just because you change your mind later, don't mean you get your money back. No, it's. I mean, they call that what buyer's remorse or something. Yeah, that's what happened. But. Tyler, I know I'm usually the optimistic one. I did not like this episode. It was all over the place. It it was actually kind of boring in spots. I would totally agree. And it's funny because I mentioned that to Jeff when we first get on. And this is how it always happens if I don't like an episode. I'll be like, oh, I didn't really care for this one. And Jeff will be like, oh, really? I thought it was great. No, Jeff, you're wrong. But in this one, we actually agreed. Yeah. And that's it a beautiful thing. Like, the whole message of beauty's on the inside, that's typical children's show stuff, but the fact that they just pounded in and pounded in, and 
it just goes nowhere. The whole episode just was meant to give Brock his Vulpix. Right. I should have counted the number of lectures we got in this episode about how inner beauty is what really matters. It was probably five or six. Yeah, so if you want to tell us what you thought of the episode, make sure you tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot or email us at thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. And if you could go on the listening platform of your choice and leave us a review, we'd love to hear from you there as well. So, Tyler, you have anything else to say? Honestly, I just want to say that I personally feel very happy that uh, Pokemon is spreading the message that beauty is on the inside and not the outside. It really helps me. Yes, for sure. All right, everyone, please join us next week when we will be watching episode 29, The Punchy Pokemon. This is going to be a good time. <laughs>